Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the VR Download, a weekly show recorded live in the Upload v Virtual Studios, where we bring you the latest news, reviews, comments, and interviews from the VR industry. My name is Kyle, Operations Manager at Upload. Now, let's meet the rest of today's panel. Over here on the left. This is David. Hello, how are you? I'm from Upload VR as well. I'm a senior editor here, and I'm happy to be here to uh, talk to everyone. Excellent. Okay, and over here on the right. Hi, everyone. Ian Hamilton here, managing editor. I'm uh, it's been a big week. Going to be a lot of cool stuff to talk about. Absolutely. And our guest this week. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Nani Della Pena. I have been uh, messing around with virtual reality, I guess, about 11 or 12 years now and AR. So been thinking spatially uh, for uh, a long time. And I come, from a, I come from a journalism background. So the news discussions this week, like Ian said, is going to be very interesting. Our first news piece this week is that the official Oculus Link cable is now available. $79, 5 meters which is exactly the same as the Rift S length. Uh, who wants to start this conversation? Uh, David, why don't you lead us off here? Yeah, I think um, initially the reaction is going to be, holy crap, that's an expensive USB cord. But um, you kind of have to understand what you're getting with it. It is like a high-quality fiber optic connection. It should theoretically be a better connection and better visual fidelity than other USB-C cables people have probably used. And it is very long, right? So five meters is a good length. That is a pretty standard PC VR headset length as opposed to a shorter USB-C cable you might have used uh, previously. I know the one that I originally bought, yeah, I couldn't really turn around because the cable wasn't long enough to give me slack down to my feet. It would kind of cut off in my waist. So I couldn't even step over it when I was spinning around. Um, so that was it wasn't really a good you know, room scale cable, but this one should be uh, pretty <laughs> solid. To be clear, have they have they said it? I don't think it'll be better visual quality, but it will be. You'll be able to move your head maybe a little bit more freer and be less worried about the the cable getting pulled out. Um, I mean, but, I but haven't tried it. I would assume fiber optic would be a better. Better, yeah, not just visual quality, but in terms of lag, in terms of performance, yeah, in terms less of compression, being right? That's right. In terms of actually being able to um, really play, interact, do the sort of things you want to do. Weird. I, I, I worry that the um. The bandwidth is the same. Like it's, it's it'll be limited. I am assumed by the USB three standard. I don't know. Yeah, but that's a pretty large. That's a pretty high bar to hit uh, for USB C. I mean, the different qualities of the cable is determining the bandwidth. I guess so. Higher quality equals higher bandwidth. Is that how this works? Yeah, I mean, here's an example of something that we're hoping it's going to solve. We've been building a piece on. Um, by the way, I'm CEO of Emblematic Group. I didn't mention that part, and we do a lot of stuff. But but um, uh, we're building a piece for the Japanese-American National Museum about a kid who um, was taken to one of the American concentration camps in the 40s, and he was an artist and did these drawings and eventually was killed in the war. But it's an intense story. But we built, we've made all of his drawings into quill animations. So ah. we can't we can't play the quill animations in quests by itself and the museum installation is going to happen uh this spring but man we'd be so happy if the if this cable allows us to actually play back the quill animations in a quest it'll make you know installations at museum just um uh, so much better 
Hmm. Interesting. That's a good use case because I'm sure for for a museum exhibit, you know, something like that, you would ideally you be using Quest because that's so much less, you know, set up and it's less cables to worry about. So if you could and cost one exhibit, just plug it in for that one thing rather than having to bring in a whole other headset for one piece. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So that's one of the use cases we're excited about as a possibility. I'm okay, going to do cool. something very unique, and I'm going to jump right over and look at the comments, because it looks like there's All already right. some good comments. I'll just switch seats here. And you have two chairs lined up perfectly to I, match that. Yeah. <laughs> I do. I have an exact match of what's going on here. So, that's yes, hilarious. that's how I'm able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So, in the comments here, uh, Chris Richardson wants to know, how does the cable affect video quality? I thought the encoding and decoding are at a set value. Hold that thought until our next news piece. Uh, let's see here. K Asante. With an extension cable and the third parties out there, I have an almost 30-foot cable. Do we know if oh. there's a limit? Is there a well, physical well, no, limit? That, well, that was the other article that we had was uh, there's an absurd uh, optical extender out there that you could buy that's hundreds of dollars. But you could theoretically use an optical link cable to like run Oculus Link to a neighbor's house <laughs> because of the way uh, the the extender works and connects over you know light speed or you know some percentage of light speed uh, and you can actually run Link hundreds and hundreds of feet if you use this optical Link extender. That sounds like that would be a lot of fun in like a soccer field or something. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> maybe maybe Shanta, why don't you post your specs on the YouTube channel and share them with us? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's let's switch back over here and I will get into the second piece of news to address the question there. So the Oculus Link cable resolution. So the resolution can be manip- manually increased to make it almost as clear as the Rift S, which means that there are settings now that you can increase the uh, resolution for the quest using link. Uh, Ian, have you even given this any try? (laughs) I thought about it right before I joined this, but I was worried because it's, it's a pretty manual process. You've got to open, I think the, uh, the terminal, uh, the command window and uh, really get in there and, and change around some values and, uh, if things go funky, uh, you might have to reset things and go back to what you had before. And I really didn't want to mess with all those values before coming in here because, yeah, I noticed that the resolution is a little bit lower in here than I'm used to in uh, other experiences sometimes. Uh, and I'm also using a laptop right now, which has... So just to be clear, you're using a Quest with Link right now. That's why yeah. you're seeing all this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I'm using a Quest with Link. I've got the cord coming out of my headset right here. And it's a very short cord. I've, I ordered the the proper link cable today. Uh, should arrive next week. Uh, we hope it, you know order that fast. If you're going to order one, order it fast because it's in limited supply and it'll probably sell it out. Sell out. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, I thought about doing that today, and I was a little scared off by the manual things I could mess up. And what I was trying to say is the the laptop I'm using is theoretically uh, I think a 1080, but because it's a laptop, I think that gets powered down some, and I don't know if it will actually match up with the values they recommended. Hmm. So I, yeah. yeah, you might need to go in and tweak the power settings uh, in the NVIDIA console. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, Nani, I'm curious. 
you've been around long enough to know all the different, you know, you probably remember pre DK one where the resolution was terrible. Uh, what, what, I have, what did, uh, I have actually Oculus 154 sitting in my back oh, behind uh, me. That's awesome. <laughs> that's great. What, what do you think I, is, I, I probably I ruined its resale value because I stapled trackers onto it. Cause I wanted to walk around. Anyway, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm just curious. What do you think is the lowest acceptable resolution for a consumer ready VR headset? Oh, you know, I don't think that's a, um, that bar is really so flexible. You know, I sort of feel like the question was how, you know, how big, how long is a piece of rope? Because, mm. because you'll find that when I think, oh my God, I can't stand this, that, that uh, other people are really satisfied and are really enjoying their experience. So, um, again, you know, I talked a little bit with you guys offline about this idea of behavioral realism being more important than fidelity. And I think it's the same thing. If the experience is good, you can get away with, with lower things. That said, I didn't do a lot of work for the cardboard. I tended mm. to go, I yeah. tended to, I tended to go for things that w would allow me to walk around. And so I went even further than, you know, early early oculus as i was saying i used to 3d print my own headset so that we could really you know put trackers in any configuration we wanted and, and make crazy spaces um that people could move through um but now uh, it's really you know we've taken our our um quests and just walked it out into our you know through our parking lot to sort of see how far we could go and it's been pretty amazing how flexible it is so even though you might have some of the fidelity issues that you're talking about um that flexibility of movement becomes very attractive as well hmm interesting so it's all subjective basically i think so That's, yeah i, I agree yeah. with you too uh, I, I really think, agree yeah i would i would agree for sure because i because i've definitely had um, things where I've shown, you know, like my, my father-in-law, you know, he'll try He tried out, I think like a PSVR, uh, he tried out bridge crew, Star Trek bridge crew on PSVR and he was in love with it, you know, thought it was amazing. But then my brother-in-law, who's, you know, a traditional kind of typical mainstream gamer, you know, he jumped in there and he could immediately see, you know, the screen door effect and it was just off putting to him. And mm -hmm. so it really kind of depends on the person's perception and experience and, know what their exposure to media is and um, how you set them up yeah if you sort of point out the things before they even go in there maybe it becomes more visible to them when they they're looking around yeah i probably would yeah so nani i have some news for you uh one of our viewers here chris richardson says tell nani they released quill theater for quest this week ah well thank you very oh, much that's right. the, qu the question though is we've got the quill embedded into unity so we'll have to take a, we'll take a quick look at that because there's a lot of other we did photogrammetry of the actual one of the actual um, barracks that they were placing people in. So a lot of the quill happens inside that barrack. So um, we're marrying the two things. So we'll take a look at the quill oh, theater and tell thank you so much. But I don't know whether that's going to um, solve our uh, ultimate problem. Very cool. But thank you, Chris. Appreciate the thank information. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on to the next piece of news. Big screen. Big screen's made a partnership and now has a cinema where they can play real popular films and you can pay $4 for a 2D experience or $5 for a 3D. You pay a dollar for that extra D, David. What, what, do, what yeah. do you think? Is that is that, yeah, that cool? 
Yeah, it comes at a premium, which I mean, makes sense, I guess. Too. Traditional theaters are like that too. It's um, I haven't tried it yet. We we were offered the ability to pre-watch some movies over the weekend before the news dropped, and it was a weekend, and you know I was with family, so I just I didn't take the time to do it. But I I like the idea. I think it's really neat, and there's probably a lot of people watching our show in Big Screen right now, which is going to be an interesting you know layer of you know of news there. But um, I haven't tried it, but I'm. I'm excited not for the experience of watching a movie in VR. I'm excited because of the social aspect of it, of how easy big screen is to use, of their avatar system, which is really great as well. Um, you know, you can get like a little virtual thing of popcorn and just get, getting to hang out with people in like a, you know, a very bespoke and very articulated environment that feels like movie theater. I think that's, that's what's cool about it. I, you know, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll get to the point where movies are premiered this way, where you can go into VR and watch them on, in, in big screen. I think that would be great if we ever get to that point. So, you know, Star Wars this weekend, you can hop in VR and watch it instead of having to go all the way to a real movie theater. I think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but right now, it's mostly older movies. They have, you know, like, um, I'm trying to remember some of them. Transformers, Dark of the Moon, Raiders of the Lost yeah. Ark. Uh, uh, what, what, what was the, Ghost uh, in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell, there you go. That, there, that was one of them, and Ready Player One isn't there yet. I think that's uh, that's one that, that that needs to be they need need to try to push for that. I think that'd be a, a good um, you know genre audience fit. So just a quick poll here of everybody here, David, have you watched a 3D movie in a VR headset? Yeah. And did you appreciate it and enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Okay. We <laughs> said. We used to watch, they used to have lots of movie, th- in Second Life a decade ago, they would have movie theaters that people could go to and watch movies. Mm, yeah. But um, it sort of felt like um, after a while, people kind of got tired sitting in their chair and they wanted to move around. I don't know. It felt it felt a little bit 2D. So, so Nani, <laughs> have you actually watched a 3D movie? I have not. In a VR headset? Okay. Not yet. Uh, Ian, what about you? Have you done that? I've, I've started one, but I don't finish them. It's hard to go two hours um, watching a movie and to exactly what you said. Yeah, it's, said. It's, you feel fidgety after a while and kind of want to take a little break. Um, it, the social aspect is the, is the appeal right there. And to, to David's point about like how far away we are from a premiere in VR, it's going to be a long, long time because the movie studios have their very set business model where let's premiere it on the big screen and make a lot of money from that by doing the screens across the world. And then let's release it some months later on home video. And then it almost seems like this VR release is even after the home video rentals release where they can let you access it with friends in VR for a slightly yeah, lower to, price than a regular think rental. About, like one of the tricky things is um, if, if someone were to premiere a movie in VR and big screen and you were to watch it in your headset, <clears throat> the 2D output window on your desktop, you could screen record that, and that would make piracy even more rampant than it is now. Right. You know, one person watching a movie in VR could then record their screen although, and get a high high definition uh, version of that if, movie. If if any of our comments commenters have tried the big screen, I'm curious if that's actually the case. If it does the screen mirror via big screen, because big screen has done a lot to try to work around those. You know, uh-huh. both work with studios and work within the limits. But, you know, we've got that high definition copyright protection problem that we always deal with. And I don't know if the screen mirror will work that way. Um, be really curious. I know it does currently. 
I don't know yeah, about it, cinema though. My but big problem rentals. with it, yeah. my big problem with it is when you watch a 3D movie because of the way that the uh, compression works, you get different compression artifacts in the left and right eye. And so if somebody could come up with an algorithm or a, a compression that can do the same thing for both eye, that might help a little bit. But the big, the big thing for me here and in, in the advantage of having big screen, not be a big distribution center is that you could have indie people, filmmakers, uh, independents that want to find some Avenue to distribute their stuff. Big screen might be, the way to go. I don't know. What, yeah. what are you? Has, has anybody done any like um, similar thing, but premiering maybe a live theater with tracked actors? Mm. Ooh. Yeah. There's a couple of people. There's uh, the under presents. Guess- have you tried the under presents? It's such a mind bending experience, but that's no, close. Uh-huh, oh 100%. yeah. The okay. under. Pre- so the, it's the name of like a, a, a bar or not a bar, but it's a, a venue in virtual reality called the under. And they've got various actors from New York and various places using quests to come in and they're blurring the lines between uh, things that have happened in the past and things that are actually happening live in front of you. And it's really mind bending. I highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds really fun. Thank you. Hmm. Did, did check. you didn't you watch a recreation of Princess Bride in Rec Room? Uh, yeah, and that was the other thing I was going to mention. Uh, uh, an acting troupe put together a four act play for... Uh, a VR adaptation of the princess bride. And boy, I watched that whole thing and it, they you waited for the, them to say marriage and he nailed it. He, he nailed it so well. <laughs> but you watched uh, the whole thing. You, you didn't walk away. That's interesting. You didn't I, get I watched it on flat screen. Yeah. Oh, because rec room has a flat screen mode. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. So a few comments here. Uh, looks like, um, let's see. Jenna tolls. <laughs> Jenna Tolls uh, says, would watching a movie in VR be nauseating at all? And Ian, you should answer this one. (laughs) Uh, I've gotten a little bit bothered by 3D movies in a regular theater from time to time. Um, You know, what you can do is you change the size of the screen in most of these programs to make it a little bit smaller and not have it take up so much your field of view. And that might make it less nauseating for people who are uh, more prone to it. Yeah, stick it out farther in space and it does work a little bit better. I agree with that. Uh, Ad hoc hero. I almost said ad hochero, but it's not. It's ad hoc hero. I once hosted a How to Train Your Dragon 3D marathon in big screen and it was successful. That's good. I like that series. Great. Yeah. Uh, James O'Loughlin says, yes, the under presents is amazing. Right. And uh, Jenna Tolls wants to know, are the movie theaters modeled and themed for the movie you are watching? Ooh, that's good. That's a good question. I don't know. I haven't tried the big screen. I Probably think he's only got not. a couple yeah. right now. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good idea, though. At least like posters or something, you know, that would be kind of a cool touch. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree. Okay, let's move on to the next piece of news. So it looks like Snow Crash is getting an HBO series. So we we got uh, Ready Player One, and now we're getting... Oh, I can't do two. Let's see. I can't do two. <laughs> um, just pretend. You just here, do the Ready Player One, one and then... two, yeah. and now Snow ca- Crash. Um, uh, first of all, uh, Ian, did you read Snow Crash? I read the Wikipedia page for it. Ah, uh, the cliff notes, huh? 
Yeah. I've David, that crush. Did Sorry. you read it? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. At least three times or four times. <sighs> I, I read it once and I just, I struggled through it. It was interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It. Well, just I, so for, pe- for people page. that are unaware, that this is an important novel for VR because of why? Can, because can it is the metaverse. The metaverse was okay. coined that term because uh, it was in that book. When did so you what, first read it, book about? What is it when, about? Well, I'm I'm not young. I read it the, when it first came out. Wow. And did it so, have any effect on you at the time? Um. Well, I'd already been reading Gibson, which had had a more profound Ooh, effect. Yeah. So, um, uh, I mean, Neuromancer, wow. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, in fact, if you, um, the reason I picked these glasses, actually, that I'm wearing, <laughs> had some reference to those early <laughs> Mona Lisa Overdrive glasses. And so I'm wearing my Mona, sorry, for anybody who can't see me, I'm wearing sort of silver, I guess, I guess I really should be able to see, but just in case, I'm wearing my reflective sunglasses. Um, uh, but, uh, in any case, so Snow Crash, you know, to me felt like a little bit like a follow on from there, but it was fun. I really enjoyed it. I reread it recently and thought I was surprised so, how much of it What is this up. book about? Can someone summarize? So basically it is, uh, the protagonist, his name is actually hero protagonist, which is kind oh of funny. Oh um, I'm, I'm not going to read it. I'm already I, done. Okay. All right. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yeah, he. Then there's uh, another. I, you know, all well, I, mean, I remember. I, I think the the listeners would like a summary. Is what I'm trying to get to. I mean, I, I've read the Wikipedia page too, but like, if someone doesn't know what this book is, what is it? Why why should people care? Yeah. So what is he? A pizza delivery guy? Yeah, but he's but but he's on a skateboard. So right. he's, <laughs> but he's got this souped up skateboard, and there's sort of a whole. Uh, uh, classic you know underground government world and people being sort of separated into their different components and i don't know some of it seems to me to be holding really really true like there's these people who start to um there are no there is no land and they start on the ocean to put together bits of debris and make these floating islands and we're seeing that with all these garbage uh, uh, in the ocean, people are actually starting to assemble worlds from the garbage in the ocean, and there's these elements in Snow Crash like that that are 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 quite vibrant in the book um, that um, are having a beyond the metaverse, having actually a, a reflection of where we're going in the real world. Um, so he's a kind of an amazing, you know, classic teenage antihero character who gets caught up in this larger um, story. Um, it's fun. It's fun, yeah. you know. Things it, like things like people are living, having to live in um, in um, uh, storage units. Yeah, you know the kind of homeless problem we're seeing now. Where do you put people? In this case, they start sticking everybody in, and you know, you store uh, bins, and so the world itself is actually pretty, um, pretty uh, interesting. Dystopian. It's just very dystopian world. Yeah. I th- one the- thing I want to mention is uh, Heaney, the, the the developer who built this, you know, studio for us, was pretty inspired by it as well. But I believe he he discovered that the, the refresh rate in that book that they described for VR headsets is the refresh rate of the Oculus Quest in 2019. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, it was is, is that right, Heaney? Give me give me an okay if I'm yeah. <laughs> Heaney <laughs> says I'm right. Um, and the resolution is apparently in the same ballpark too. And so it's mind blowing that that book, book came out? out 1992. 
and it wow. described the refresh rate of the headset I'm wearing now in 2019. And the other thing that happens is just that the code code is able to be sent down into people and cause this kind of crazy scramble, um, which is, uh, you know, um, interesting and in all kinds of different fronts in terms of, you know. I'll definitely what... watch the series. It sounds interesting. Yeah. Um, uh, there, I don't know if I can a... get past that character name, though. I'll, yeah, I'll well, yeah. There's a... Uh... <laughs> There's a there's a club that See, all the David, it's cool spelled H I R O, so it's okay. Oh yeah, yeah. It's oh yeah, yeah. That makes it better. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna switch over uh, here and see what the comments are saying. Yeah, we're getting a lot of comments. I, I haven't uh, heard that in any anime ever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. 1992. 1992. <laughs> True. Yeah. Let's see. Chris Richardson says, I was so let down by the ending. Snow Crash seemed to be a big joke in the end. Uh, James O'Loughlin says, Westworld is feeling a slight cyberpunk itch. Now more with Snow Crash, super Mm. cyberpunk on HBO. Uh, Oh, I do too. Incredible. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. Kay Asante says, the whole book is basically based in VR. The story is a bit of a product of its time but it's dripping with cool. Uh, Ivan B says snow crash and the diamond age were awesome. Uh, let's see here. Chris Richardson says altered carbon is your cyberpunk series. Ooh, to watch. I like that show. That was a good show. It was pretty good. It was pretty. Yeah. Good. I, I had a great concept. I loved the idea of wearing <laughs> sleeves of people. I, I think Ugh, the, I think the actors. <laughs> I think they could have found better actors for that. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Uh, let's see. <laughs> All right. I rendered sure reality. I don't know how much of that came across in my in my avatar. rendered reality. Just says, "Hey, everyone, what did I miss?" So we should start over, I guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would right. agree. The, the end has got a pretty bad. Uh, the end of Snow Crash is a little cheap but ending a story is hard like can, can we all hard. agree that endings are hard so yes yes yeah. people have a tendency a- to rush the ending yeah so moving right along uh <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see so the hot top let's let, let's we're not gonna do the hot topic yeah, we're gonna do release of the week release of the week so what did everybody play this week and i'm gonna start over here with you ian what did you play this week uh play two things uh I went into the new Pistol Whip update, which uh, went live the moment, you know, right before we came to the studio. So that's the High Priestess song. That's their 11th song into, into Pistol Whip. And uh, that's amazing. It was fun. You're, you've got to actually do the Pistol Whipping a lot in the game. Um, very fun song. It's a five out of five game. Uh, you know, I highly recommend it. It's it's super addictive. And uh, But the thing I want to talk about, my favorite project of all kind of all time my favorite software ever made in virtual reality titans of space launches mm. today on oculus quest uh if you haven't played titans of space it's it's a really debatable thing because it, it brings out all the worst in the consumer buyers because uh they want to judge how good something is in vr by how many hours of game time you get out of it and that doesn't Which seem so to me, stupid. I hate yeah, that. it's not a right way to, to judge something. So Titans of Space, you go in there, you set your options, and then boom, you've got an Earth that's about, you know, yay big floating in front of you, and the moon is orbiting around it, and you look to the right, and the sun is there, and all three of those bodies are presented 
to scale. So one one millionth their actual size. And I've never found anything else in virtual reality that does a better job more quickly of conveying such hard to grasp information about our universe in such a simple, quick way using VR. So scale and understanding the difference of scale is something unique to VR with the the way the optics work and being able to give you uh, an impression of, of stereoscopic 3D. You are able to look at this earth floating in front of you and look at the sun and instantly understand on a very deep human perception level just how much larger the sun is than the earth and and then the moon and then you go through all the different planets and you start seeing them side by side you see jupiter and how giant it is and you see and you can put the earth right next to it and let the two sort of hang there in the distance and get this sense of scale and the size difference of these things because i'm a space nerd i grew up on on space stuff i love star trek but i would get the space books and they would always have the earth as a really small ball right here and then they would show the sun off to the right of the side on the on the right page cut off right because they cannot show in the book just <laughs> how much bigger the sun <laughs> yeah. is than the yeah, earth I remember that yeah and it's just magical i love it but you're really realistically this tour that you can go on through all the planets and then all the stars is only going to last you maybe 30 minutes to an hour and it's 10 dollars and so there's people out there in the comments going $10 what that's I play games that are $40 and I spent 400 hours in them. And that's, that's not, and it's not the way to judge that piece of content. It's not, it's not fair to it. It's not fair to the information you're, you're consuming or to the educational value or the ability to put that thing on different people. It's, it's as good or better than a trip to the planetarium in a VR headset. So the nice thing about this, uh, titans of space is that it's been around for quite a while this isn't a new drash who is the developer has done a fantastic job of this and i remember the first time i went flying past uranus and how massive it was and i just said they should have sent a poet (laughs) i mean that's it's the it was so awe-inspiring yeah Yeah, Mm -hmm. i mean seriously it's it's a fantastic experience you have to work. I mean, like if you read Carl Sagan and you read books like that and gotten inspired by space in various ways, it's the project to do that for a new generation with VR. I mean, so I, I described this a bit in my review, but I've I've got my quest and I got a second quest for my daughter and I want to inspire her uh, in ways that I was inspired and I want her to understand why I care about this stuff so much. Um, and Titans of space is the thing to, so we both put on our quests and went through the tour stops together. It's not multiplayer. We just simply said, Oh, I'm at earth and I'm looking at the moon right now. And one, two, three ready. And we hit the ready button and went off to the next tour stop together. And I, I just, I cannot, it's really hard for me to convey the, the being able to watch the journey of this thing, which was on the original Oculus share front offered for free mm-hmm. for people to just try out on their headsets, on their DK ones. And then to see it just refined over and over and over again, over the years mm-hmm. 
and then get yeah. to try it now on a wireless headset with my kid and to, to just see this uh, sharpening to everything they were trying to do with the software and, the, and literally the sharpening to my resolution inside the headset. So I'm able to see more detail and everything around me. It's a magical feeling to see this piece of software evolve over the years and get so much better. And it's still here. And it gets me so excited because yeah, like I, the way I described in my review and, and I don't know if you've since, since you've been demoing for so many years, just like, just like me and longer than me, way longer. Um, you, you try to you try to inspire True. people. You try to inspire people, but you would then have a conversation about how hard this is to do and about the limitations. And you go back, your, your journey goes back so far, but like you go into the DK1 and go, oh, don't lean around. Don't lean around in the DK1. Then you go into the DK2 and you're like, oh, look at the screen door effect. That's, that's really distracting, isn't it? And yeah, there's the wire and you've got to buy a PC. And then you go into the Rift CV1 and you've got to set up three cameras around you in your room in order to have a good experience with the Rift CV1. And then, you know, it's every one of these things. And Gear VR, you've got, again, don't lean around. So every one of these headsets, there's but, 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 given explain, you know, when you're explaining and trying to inspire people. And now here's Oculus Quest where it's wireless and I'm able to lean around comfortably and not feel discomfort just by simply shifting a little bit in my chair. And it's just, it's a magical moment for me. And I really feel like VR has crossed a threshold. I, you know what, I, I, you know, one of the reasons I think I said earlier that I was always using vibes is being able to move around and da, 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 be able to really walk around. And I didn't have to worry when I was asking people in a climate change piece to go underwater, to just literally duck underwater and feel that. And uh, those sort of things were, were really limited in how, you know, in terms of distribution and the amount of people could see it. To me, the quest is a, is a, is magical. I, I, I feel the same way. Like, ah, oh, the promise <laughs> is finally starting to come true here. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, the, the weight, the, all, all of it. I love the quest. You know, we've been building a lot of stuff in WebXR and the fact that I can just send somebody a URL and they can open it up literally in a quest without having to even do a download is just magic. It's magic. It's good that we still get impressed by this stuff, you know, because <laughs> the awe, the inspiration, it's its still there. It's still driving us. That's excellent. Uh, David, what have you played this week? Uh, the main thing is Radial G Proteus that mm -hmm. uh, just came out on uh, Quest, I believe, two, two days ago. It's uh, speaking of, you know, VR experiences that have been around for a while. This is a mm -hmm. game that was a Rift launch title, and it was around even before that. And uh, now it's been ported over to Quest with the new art style, some new content. Um, it's a racing game, kind of like F-Zero, where it's a, like sci-fi racing, you know, in like super futuristic jet car type designs. But the thing that it's kind of unique thing is you race around tubular like cylinders that you can go around 360 around it while you're driving. So it's not just a straight road. It's like actual Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Me too. Oh, oh really? That doesn't oh. make you all. It's going to mess a lot of people up. I'm with you, Dave. That was exactly. Well, I'm with you, David. I love that. So this is a super interesting question, right? So I have found that 
you know, and I've done a lot of demos and I've collected data. Da, 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 da. So I found that this thing that Ian and I both are, you know, imagining this, the simsickness hits about 30 to 40% of the audience, right? So that means that 60 to 70% of people agree with you guys. This is really fun. And I just don't know whether that, that is going to be a consistent in the future or as we become yeah, more accustomed to our future stuff. That's really came up lately because of Boneworks. That game, a lot of people bought headsets for Boneworks. They bought a Valve Index, you know, spent $1,000, got Boneworks in, in anticipation of Half-Life Alex. And they are they're playing on the highest fidelity headset out there, highest refresh rate, highest you know, highest comfort, everything, and they still get sick yep. because of the way Boneworks is designed. So and, I you can, know, yeah, I love uh, Index. If I have a, if I have the the Rift S, the Quest, and the Index sitting side by side already, I'm going to go into the Index nine times out of ten because of how much more comfortable it is to me visually, everything about it, and. Boneworks has uh, this amazing physics sandbox where you can literally everything like this. I can put my hand through it, right? That's that's old VR. Heaney, get on it. Um, but like in, <laughs> in, in in Boneworks, you press this and it actually falls over. You know, every object around you is grabbable, pushable. It has a reaction. And I watched this video on Reddit last night where uh, someone got themselves stuck in a grate where they're they're wearing a grate around them. Like their body is somehow lodged in between two small bars of a of like a grate that you would see uh, crowd keeping crowds in a line out on the street. Oh, like and a barrier. This person, yeah, a barrier. And and they're stuck in this, and they're hitting everything around them by just you know turning around and moving. And it's hilarious to watch, but also instantly sickening. Just you will you will need to lay down for forty five minutes if you do that too much, and it's such a to your point. I mean, like it's it's such a tough thing. Like here's the best headset on the market, and it's still turning some people away because of that all the weird things that you can do in it. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's why my design is so conservative, right? Um, even little things that I make, I found. For example, we took a 360 camera and we clamped it to a helicopter and we shot over the Arctic to uh, sort of a Greenland because we're, we're tracking, you know, climate change and Greenland melting. And then we did a model of a, the actual helicopter. So you're inside the helicopter with the, you know, the projected 360 video on a, on a sphere outside the helicopter. And that's one of those things where you hope that people aren't going to get nauseous. And even though I reduced my number of people reporting discomfort, I still got some people flying in the helicopter um, still made people feel, uh, you know, bad, bad. And the, and the flip flip side of this, I have to point out. I mean, Boneworks is has sold, from what we can tell, an order of magnitude more copies than almost any other VR software I've ever seen. Like, wow. they in like a week and a half or something, they're on path to to have as many reviews as Beat Saber has had in like a year and a half. Like they're just it, it's it's unbelievable how many units they've probably sold in a, an extremely short amount of time and it's got really positive reviews from the people who are buying it and getting in there so it's this it's this complicated situation where the people who are playing it are loving it and the people who are getting sick are just you know either skipping it moving on and 
no, keeping that they're, they're, they're clearly not going to the reviews anymore and downvoting it as a result of that in the same numbers that they were a, a couple of years ago. So we have a couple comments here. Uh, let's see here. First of all, hi, Lilypad. Lilypad's in the house, David. Number one fan. Yep. Uh, let's see here. Rendered Reality says, I really hope Radial G gets some multiplayer added in the future. Yes. It is. Yes. Yeah, they've already confirmed it, but it's not coming until I think sometime next year. Awesome. Uh, Rendered Reality says, motion sickness can be overcome, though. When we first got 3D no. graphics on a screen, that caused people to get motion sickness. In a few years, I think it will be a non-issue. I mean, I, I know people who have gotten past it. I mean, it's rare, but I do know people who have got their, you know, VR legs, so to speak. Um, I, I don't know. David, you, you've never had a problem at all. No, I've never been motion sick, no. No, but Ian, you're you, Captain Motion Sickness. You made a joke with me once that, you know, all I have to do is spend more time in VR to uh, get over that. And I got angry because I'm like, you know, I've, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of hours doing just everything. And it, it doesn't go away no matter what I try. It's all based on the software. It's all based on what I'm doing and how it mismatches with my my sense of where I am. So I say it's because for people, their their eyes are saying they're moving through the space, but their inner ear is saying they're disconnected. I mean, mostly yeah. even more than whether you get rag, right? Very simple physiological situation. And yeah. the question is that people who can, I, I had one, you know, um, young woman in my office and she could, I don't care what you did to her. She never got sick and I'd be in something for 15 seconds. Right. So, so, I mean, th for people who do feel nauseous, there's tons of wonderful stuff to do. You just have to look for things that that it, they the movement is exactly locked to your body movement. I guess that's why I always like to move stuff, uh, make stuff that let you move your body because I knew it didn't make me sick. And so, um, which is why I was stuck with, you know, uh, headsets that let you move, which is why you and I probably love the Quest because we know in the Quest, if we're going to move, and the content's going to move with us, and that may be why that it it it, it gives us it gives it makes me that hundred percent of people are going to enjoy the experience. Mm. So if you're somebody who starts to get feel like they get nauseous in VR, try the things that don't do that kind of movement because there's lots of amazing amazing stuff out there. Yeah, there's a yeah, lot of good experiences <laughs> out there, and for a lot of people that look at videos or watch you know streams or whatever. They see games or experiences where you have to teleport around and they think it looks dumb. When you're in VR, it doesn't feel as dumb as it looks in a video. And that's hard to articulate because whenever I'm in VR, if I just teleport over every now and then to different areas and then I move around physically, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't take you out of it as much as you would think it does. You get used to the teleporting in most things if it's and required. It, it helps like if something the developer, like is if the developer makes the effort to make the teleport part of the narrative of the world that you're in, it really helps yeah, exactly. I think, a little bit with that. Yeah. Budget Cuts is a great example of a game that I couldn't even imagine playing that without teleporting because that's integral to the design of the game. Yeah, there's a lot of comments going on back and forth about it. So it does oh, seem started, like it's kind of a... Fight. Yeah, it's kind, of a, it's kind of a mixed uh, opinion. I mean, I can remember back in the day of Oculus Share, there was a, a demo called Big Bear Ride. And I don't know if any of you have been Classic. to an amusement park. It, there's the Scrambler. And uh, it was kind of like the Scrambler, but it went up in the air as well. Oh, God. And, and that's the only experience where I had to stop. I was doing a live stream, and I had to stop and 
I thought I was going to blow chunks. I mean, it was bad. Wow. It was really, really bad. So it happens. Yeah, I remember, I've, in, I've intentionally was- tried to make myself sick because I, I want to know like what triggers it for me and what I can communicate to people, but it just never happened. Well, so, I was streaming Grand Theft Auto Five, so and I jumped. <laughs> yeah, I, I know I am very fortunate. I I jumped out of a plane in GTA Five in VR, and I was tumbling through the air. You know, like the camera was literally rolling in the air. Wow. And I thought that might have done it, but it we didn't, we had so. to we had to build a piece for an artist that I'd worked with. Super interesting guy who like uh, built this uh, brick, moved a brick. Uh, wall across the street in Hong Kong, like literally put one brick and then over to the next brick in like five hours with traffic coming at him. So I rebuilt that piece for him. Then we went to Art Basel and we did it in VR so that you have to move the bricks across the street with cars coming <laughs> at you. But then he asked me to make a second piece with him and we we scanned um, the uh, basketball player, Jeremy Lin. And so we had a really beautiful version of Jeremy Lin bouncing a ball and throwing it into the hoop. But he wanted you to you're the camera to be attached to the basketball. So you're being bounced <laughs> oh. by Jeremy Lin. Oh. And this and this went into the Guggenheim Museum, you guys, this piece, right? <laughs> and I could I couldn't I couldn't make the piece. I couldn't be in the basketball and like be, <laughs> I there's no way. And I was no way. Them. I was like, look, just cut the camera so you're right in the basket and it swooshes onto your face. It'll cause a lot of reaction, but people won't get sick. Uh-uh. I want a strong reaction. <laughs> So, uh, you know, one of my team, one of my team, you know, he just tolerated that over and over and over again of testing. Oh, oh man. With the camera. Ultimate being, role and, the, right and, and by the way, be the, the ball. By the way, the basketball could not just shoot into the basket. It had to rotate on its way. To the oh, basket too. Uh. it was everything. So like, I don't know. I'd, but I, yeah, wow. yeah. You and I are like, Oh, why would you, I'm like, you know, is, it, is the museum going to have some puke buckets next to the exhibit? <laughs> So there you go. Well, one of my favorite, uh, one of the worst mistakes I ever made was when I got the DK2, I was one of the, like I ordered it as soon as I could off the website. So I got it before everyone else. And I was looking on Reddit for things to try. And someone sent me, someone said, I, I've got a new demo. Can someone, is anyone out there with a DK2 willing to huh. try it? And I go, okay, send <laughs> it to me. And then I got the message. Uh, oh, by the way, I don't have my own DK2. So I, I wrote this piece of software without actually trying it on a VR headset first. Oh, boy. That's dangerous. And that was within 30 seconds I was sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. There you go. That's lovely. Uh, so the only thing I played this week was the uh, Green Day tracks on Beat Saber, which oh, yeah. I had, I had top 10 scores. And- yeah, I had top 10 scores for like five seconds, and then I got messages, notifications that people beat my score. So yeah. good for you guys. Uh, let's yeah, we, move on to... We do have a review of that, by the way, from Harry Baker on our site. That's right. That's right. So, Go check that out. VR.com. I've got a bunch of games to watch this week. I'm on the BAFTA Games Voting Committee. So oh, boy. I've got, I've got my list oh. of VR games for, for the yeah. holidays. To, to, so two weeks from now. I've done that for an event once where they send you the spreadsheet of links to all the different things you have to try. I've done that before. Um, I've done that. I I, I voted for Job Simulator in uh, Indicate. That was one of the first uh, that I judged, and I'm really proud of having helped support that game because I think that was a really good milestone. (laughs) 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 Uh, That was a good milestone for us, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, absolutely. Vacation Simulator is, is up there. It'll be. Yeah, not to spoil things, yeah, but that'll be one of our nominees um, for game of the year. But it's it's 
it's yeah, it's one of those. It's my it's the first game uh, in VR my kid has ever beaten. Um, mm, yeah, you know, from start my kids to finish, play constantly. Yeah, it's such a such a compelling thing because yeah, it doesn't make a lot of people sick. It's super comfortable in that way. Mm-hmm. And that was that was early indicated a couple of years ago, of course. And so there were a bunch of games that were like, you know, I had to yank the headset off. But. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the hot topic of the week. So the hot topic, obviously, if you've been keeping up with the news, the Quest and the Index both back ordered to February. I mean, completely back ordered. Wow, what does this so mean, great. Ian? What do people do? What do we do? What do we tell people? Oh yeah, what do we tell people? So uh, get a go. To it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, don't, don't. Oh, don't. Guys, in trouble. I've already gotten in trouble for that one. Oh, my oh, my yeah. headline was my headline on on the editorial was that they discounted it to one hundred and twenty dollars on on Cyber Monday. So like the quest was sold out, sold out, and then you could get a go for one hundred and twenty dollars. And so I made my URL Oculus Go Away. Because I just I don't I want that thing gone. I want it in the history books. I want it I want it God, to be I'm a memory. Um, so, so don't <laughs> don't get go. All right, but you, um, you, you know but that's got, a very unpopular I, opinion. Though. I know, uh, but I got I got grief. I'm with Ian, and I got grief uh, for it too. <laughs> I just what I'm worried that like what you have is a bunch of parents going, oh yeah, yeah. I got to have something for the holidays, and um, not, not even just parents. Like I know people that are very apt PC gamers that see an Oculus go and think, Oh, that's an Oculus headset. I'm going to get it. Uh, Yeah. And and so people, uh, I think it's a, I think you're again, once again, we're not mature enough as an industry to, to make people walk away. You know, it's hard enough. And I was literally in an event with one of the producers from ready player one, the film and somebody, and we're in the thing and somebody turned to him and said, see, do you think that VR is, you know, going to be a good thing or bad thing? And he's like, Oh, it's going to be really bad. Everybody's (laughs) going to go into VR worlds and forget about the real world. And they're going to, you know, it's dystopic, dystopic, uh, dripping out of its mouth. So anytime there's something like this where they're like, Oh, that was a crap. It's crap. It's crap. I I really I heard, I resent it because I work so hard to make high quality experiences, and then when we get a situation where people feel resentful, they've spent 120 bucks on something that doesn't get let them get the experiences that everybody's raving about. It just scares. It just it makes me feel frustrated. That's all. If you know it's what you're like, buying, fine. If you know what you're buying, fine. If they know that, what they're buying, yeah. okay. Yeah. That, but, exactly. but, yeah. but if they're, if they, and I'm worried that people just don't, they just don't, they make yep. that error. Okay. The, 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 the challenge here, and I put this because Ian, you've been very vocal on Twitter and I've said my piece as well. And, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. I, I qualifying the customer. If you are the type of person who just wants passive three DOF experiences, the go is amazing for that purpose. But if you're looking for that to be play Half-Life Alex or play vacation simulator or any of that, no, that's not going to happen. And that's where the challenge is. And that's, but, I think, what you're you concerned about. Best Buy in the last five years. I mean, those people working at Best Buy have no clue what to, to give that advice. Like, that's the only, that's the most common physical store you can find in the United States to actually go find uh, these electronics. And those people will not, cannot help you uh, in nine times out of 10. Um, and, I mean, I was in Walmart and someone was looking for a switch and the person and the person at Walmart did couldn't help them find a switch. Like it's just the, the lack of knowledge, the gap of knowledge. It's really hard to ensure that you can qualify people that way. Um, so 
I'm going to, it's, it's, this is complicated, but like, I'm going to say that unless, I mean, you could get a Rift S, right? You could get a Rift S and have a great PC VR experience. You could get a Windows MR headset for a, an, an affordable price and have a good experience. But I love the Quest and I love the Index so darn much. I'm going to have to recommend putting a note under the Christmas tree from Santa, yeah. you know, yeah. or, you know, from phone, whatever, and saying uh, it's coming in February, you know, order it, deal with the delay and get one of those two headsets. Cause I love those headsets so darn much. And I think they're so much better than everything else in the market. Okay. In the comments here, Chris Richardson has a great piece of advice for you, Ian. It says, thankfully <laughs> you can return anything you buy. It's true. Now, uh, Paris- Jason <laughs> Rubin's okay. advice, right? That's, I, yeah. I, I talked to Jason Rubin at E3 this year, and I'm like, that, that was they had the situation back then where they sold out of the quests, and you could go into Best Buy and see the empty shelf of all the quests, and then right below it is six boxes for Oculus Go. And I so I, I go to Jason Rubin and Oculus and say, you know, are people buying this headset? And he he jokingly responded, uh, yeah, I hope you've if you bought an Oculus Go for gaming, I hope it's from a place with a good return policy well you know this is the same guy who promoted three you know the hell out of 360 video and um you know i i was why i was pretty pretty my own head i mean i know they were trying but you know i have these photographs for the you know from from the when we first went off to hunger in LA, when Palmer was first making the headsets with us at USC and I wouldn't let it get in the car because it was still making me nauseous. So like, this is an old, an old, an old thing where, you know, I mean, I guess they had to keep selling into the, and fantastic. Look, Oculus has now made a headset that we love and that's wonderful. But I do feel like we, once again, we slowed the trajectory of this medium because money did not come in to create the kind of, experiences that we needed because everybody ran to 360 video and YouTube. I mean, in Google to 180 video. Can somebody tell me why? <laughs> anyway, sorry. Sorry. Okay. No, it's great. So Paradise Decay puts it perfectly. Uh, Mummy, what color quest did you get me? It's a gray one, honey. It's oh. fine. It's fine. Oh. Keep the receipt. Um, uh, James O'Loughlin <laughs> makes an interesting point. He says, the problem is Facebook has no retail stores. I don't think that's a problem. I, I, I don't want to go to a Facebook store. And I know I never get Ian into one of those. Mm. So that's interesting. I, I, well, well, you'd have to scan the QR code on your Facebook app with your profile to get in, probably. That's right. Like that. Yeah. You know, right. Apple and Microsoft both decided that was in their strategy to um, have a retail presence in common places where people can, you know, find the products, feel them, get a look I mean, at them. Hell, even and, even Amazon does now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, Facebook's Facebook's, you know. Culture all the way down is only do things that scale to six billion people. So, like, I don't know if they'll ever see the value in that. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. if you really want to get headsets on a lot of people, going to a store and having a great Beat Saber experience and a job simulator experience, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know yeah. that that could have a powerful thing. And you can't get that anywhere today. It's what's so tragic about the VR market. That's why we're having this discussion is because people can't fathom and understand the difference between these headsets. So we're, we're, we're 
we're doing a really good job. Actually, let me see here. Uh, it looks like Chris Richardson. I love that this Nani person. She's a blast. <laughs> Slapa Delikey. All right. Thank you, Chris. Thank you so much. Um, we have a challenge here because the topic is actually that it's back ordered to February. And here we are talking about how not to get the thing that is available. But what do we tell folks who are looking to get the good stuff? What do we tell them? Find a friend that has one and go you know try what? Rift, Rift S and then return it and get a quest when they're available, right? That's boom to combat. Yeah. We did it. Yeah, there it is. Buy Rift time? S and return can, it. Can you, you only get, 30, you get more than 30 days? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Rift S and return yeah. it for quest. Yeah. You could do that. I mean, you, if you know, or you can also go buy, buy a Vibe and have some fun with a Vibe for now. Yeah, too. and Vibe is very affordable right now, and it's still a great yeah. headset. Yeah, it's a Vibe is a great headset. I'm not not Cosmos necessarily, not, right? Not Cosmos, the original Vibe. I I would recommend the original. Yeah, I would say get the Vibe and the Index controllers, but I think the Index controllers are out of stock as well by wow. themselves. Amazing. Because yeah. I mean, the, the Vibe Pro is a nice headset. It's been a really nice headset. Mm, but getting the is, controllers, yeah. if that's the case. So um, it's true. A Quest is different. It's standalone. It's yeah, we the Quest is a, it's a, it's a game changer. I agree. But, yeah, but in the meantime. For me personally, I, I just find it hard to recommend a Vibe for gaming because of those controllers. The trackpads are just not accurate enough. Oh, okay. Okay. That's it. They've really yeah, standardized on the. On the um the, the thumbsticks, yeah, the thumbsticks. And Even the, the new Vive controllers the are the only ones that have yeah. touchpads instead of thumbsticks. Yeah. Hmm. Or the Windows ones have both, which is weird. But although PSVR, what we've we've got a PSVR. We've got to mention that. But like, I hate the 180 tracking, so I can't recommend yeah. it because of that. But it's a great. It's got a lot of great games. Has I anybody if tried you, oh, the new the new Qualcomm headset? Has anybody been able to put it in? I I I no. demoed it. I demoed a prototype of it in their lab a couple of years ago now, uh, and it was it was all it was edge computing, so it hmm. was a, yeah it was a pretty badass headset I have to say, um, so I I have a lot of um, hope that this new headset that they've you know had in stealth mode and that they just announced like a few weeks ago right um, might might be very interesting too. Huh. Hmm. I, Qualcomm always has new demos and. Uh, I, I need well CES is coming up in like two weeks, so hopefully we'll get new all those latest demos uh, at CES in Vegas. That's right. We do have CES coming up. Uh, I want to wrap up this part and get to the interview here. But David, can you give us a quick uh, rundown on anything that we should be looking at on UploadVR.com right now? Yeah, sure. So um, we are this week is the last week that we're doing our nominee um, dedicated articles. So we have seven up so far. Um, of our 10 nominees for best VR of the year. And um, so you can see those on our website. Um, we have nominated stuff like No Man's Sky VR, um, Wolves in the Walls VR, um, Pistol Whip, Asgard Giraffe, and a bunch of others. We have three more that we're going to be posting today and tomorrow. Um, so definitely check those out. Um, Jamie and Zena are in Japan right now. They just filmed some great stuff for the next episode of The Culture Show, which will be probably later this month or early January when they get back. Um, that'll be a really cool uh, non-gaming uh, show that they do here on our YouTube. We have two episodes so far, so definitely check those out. And um, also, as always, here on our YouTube, we post all the latest VR uh, reviews and gameplay videos and live streams. And every Friday is the VR Recap news show where we do a you know three to four minute long recap of the week and do giveaways as well. 
Um, so if you haven't yet, you can check last week's episode still for the giveaway. You can win a copy of Proteus, uh, of Radio G Proteus, or a copy of Gollum on PSVR. And we're giving away signed vinyls of the soundtrack for Gollum. So you can check those out. <laughs> awesome. And um, yeah, so that's that's all the stuff that we're doing for the most part. Uh, CES is coming up, obviously, and you know, I think less than a month, right? It's coming up pretty soon. Right after and, Christmas, um, yeah, right after the New yeah. Year. And PAX East shortly after that. So we're going to be at both of those shows. And uh, so, yeah, everyone tune in to upload. Go to uploadvr.com for all the latest. And uh, it was a pleasure meeting you virtually, Nani. And uh, I look forward to watching your interview with Ian. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me, by the way. Absolutely. Yes. It's always a pleasure to have uh, staples of the industry on the show, you know. (laughs) Thank you so Uh, much. Let's uh, let's switch over here. So stay tuned. We'll switch our set and uh, we'll get into the interview with Nani De La Pena. I'm here with Nani De La Pena. Can you tell us about uh, sort of everything you're, you've been up to? How did you get started in VR? And tell me about Emblematic Group. <laughs> sorry. That's a lot. Sorry. And sorry, sorry. I shouldn't laugh because it's been, it's been busy. Um, uh, uh, I think the very first thing I, I think I, you know, I was always a big sci-fi reader, very interested. I said it read Gibson and certainly every bit of Neville Stevenson, et cetera, et cetera. But um uh ended up building in second life uh a virtual guantanamo bay prison i was interested in this idea of this place where um that was you know legally um outside any kind of court of law um and was journalistically important but was really out of sight and out of mind and how could we bring um uh, accessibility to important stories like this. And then after we made that, this is done with an artist named Peggy Weil, um, I got invited into the amazing lab of Mel Slater and Maria Sanchez Vives in uh, Barcelona. And Mel really is one of the most important thinkers in this field. If you don't know his work, you should check out um, how long Mel's been doing really interesting pieces. And we made this uh, crazy uh, embodied experience where we put you in the body of a detainee in a stress position. Mm-hmm. And um, people were just sitting up in a chair and they were wearing a breathing strap and they had their hands behind their backs. But after they experienced a piece where we had a virtual mirror and they showed your body hunched over, everybody thought that, like, we say, well, what was your body like? And they'd been their entire body over into a hunched position. And that's when I was like, whoa, you know, this is an amazing medium to build in. And um, that led to hunger in Los Angeles. Uh, This is during the downturn in the United States. Um, People were going hungry. Food banks were overwhelmed. And yet they're basically invisible. So um, working out of uh, the ICT lab at USC, uh, where at the time uh, Palmer Luckey was like the lab intern, uh, I made this uh, experience that put you on scene at a real food bank. It was all digitally recreated, but the audio was real. And you became a witness uh, when a man with diabetes who doesn't get food in time drops into a diabetic coma in front of you. Uh, it got into Sundance. And at that point, the headsets were $50,000 a pop. And the head of the lab, uh, Mark Bullis, was said, you know, you can't take any of those headsets with you. And Palmer was there building headsets. Um, so we showed up with this crazy duct tape pair of goggles. Uh, Palmer was crashed in my hotel room and drove the truck back for us. Um, and that was the first VRP server at Sundance. Um, and then what year was that? 2012. So right before. And nine months later, Palmer started Oculus. 
Wow. And that's my back. Quick, quick rundown on the background. And since then, go ahead, ask a question, and I'll. I'll go from there, well, uh, did was one of the journalism-based projects that I tried uh, was uh, showed a um showed a someone coming out to their family um uh-huh. in a living room. Was that an emblematic group project? That was an emblematic group project. Yeah, um, and. That was really powerful, and it's it's one of these things that it, it affected me so deeply to, to have that experience, but it's also just how how do we get the audience larger for these projects? Because we talked about it a little bit in the other part of the show, but um, the game store, you know, this Oculus store is built to promote games, and Steam store is built to promote uh, flat screen games most, and then VR games second. What can be done to get more eyeballs in front of this work? So this is why I uh, have got a very beta but um, prototype called Reach.Love. Um, and the idea with Reach was we built a very simple button-based volumetric creation tool in WebXR. Um, we built it on top of A-Frame and um, you know JavaScript, and it lets people make volumetric content um, you can easily pull in GLTF files from Sketchfab, and then you can just publish it as a URL. And, and it's embeddable just like a YouTube video, but it's volumetric. You can move through it. You can either use your keyboard, flat screen. You can uh, click a button and start walking around with any headset, um, or you can watch it on your phone. And the idea was I was so sick of not only this just exact distribution problem that you were talking about, but also the limitation. Like when I put up a piece on Syrian refugees on Steam, I got so much vitriolic hate sent at me. Um, that was the last time that I started posting personal stuff on Facebook because I got so much, you know, Gamergate like crap thrown at me for making journalism pieces. Um, that said, I do have projects up on Steam um, uh, and Share, but but um, and we did make three sixty versions of the volumetric content, um, uh, including the pieces I did with. Front, uh, PBS Frontline and Nova, two big journalism organizations. But did you? We, we have to solve you, this problem. Go ahead. Did sorry. you work with Frontline on the um, the guidelines uh, for journalism in VR? Yes, we did. Um, well, can you can you explain some of those? Yeah. So we tried to look at some of the best practices for thinking about um, uh, approaches to content creation that's digital content content creation but still upholds some of the uh best practices that we've learned uh journalistically through the years right and what are some of the limits of recreation but in some ways that document um to me uh still offers some very interesting questions we haven't solved so here's an example we did a piece with nasa scientists uh, for climate change piece and we shot the characters on an 8i green screen stage. Uh, most of the rest of the content was photogrammetry, so very photoreal and based on scene. But um, uh, in this case, uh, we put you inside a NASA airplane, and the NASA scientist wanted to wear his blue airplane jumpsuit. And for there's a big discussion about whether that was okay or not, because if you go into the NASA uh, plane, you think that he's in his plane flying in his airplane, but no, he's been filmed in a studio in Los Angeles. Shouldn't he be wearing regular clothing? And the scientist was like, there's no way 
I'm going to appear in my airplane, not in my jumpsuit. And we're like, but you're not actually in your airplane. And so that moment was kind of interesting. He won. We put him in his jumpsuit. So, I mean, I, 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 this, this discussion is so uh, near and dear to my heart because it's so tough um, because we're kind of we're writing for the consumers out there, the people who are actually buying these headsets. We're, we're trying to answer their questions, the people who are actually in there uh, being some of the first to ever buy these headsets and spend hundreds of hours in them. And we're trying to answer their questions and also give them what they need and what they want. You know, it's a, it's a mix of giving both. And uh, sometimes we try to be entertaining too, uh, right. you know, amidst all those things. And it's an always constantly challenging balance. And especially with the journalism projects, I, I spent some of that, um, some of our previous discussion talking about Titans of Space and why it comes with my highest recommendation for, for VR software I can ever give. But we still hear from these people who, like you say, just comment and, you know, there's a real failure on a lot of platforms parts to foster useful discussion and to help uh, weed through bad actors and keep people who are just uh, haven't made their true motivations known and, and they're actually acting in some hidden fashion. And I, like you I don't know what the answer is, but we're, we, I, I think so thankful for you to join us today and talk about these things. But is there anything, I guess I'll ask you this, is there anything that we can do as journalists covering this industry to do a better job of highlighting the good work in VR, the things that are going to keep this from becoming the dystopia that we all sometimes joke about, but, you know, often fear? I think this is a very um, important question. And I think that where we once thought it was great to open up everything to anybody to make comments, um, uh, we now know that unfortunately we do have to do some sort of um, curation. Um, that doesn't mean that you're going to, um, shouldn't be allowed some negative commentary on um, uh you know, people's opinions about a piece of content, but vitriolic uh, uh, co uh, comments are pretty easy to spot. I think we we definitely have a, um, a common sense uh, uh, space and people can always publish on other in other ways, right? Um, but, you know, it's, it's a, it, we do live in this moment where somebody like Kurt Eichenwald, who is a journalist and has epilepsy, could get sent in Twitter um, a response that actually triggered his epilepsy and he fell and he was injured. And the man who did that just lost his court case and has to pay some damage to him. At the same time, basically the same day, uh, a similar message was sent to um, the American Epileptic Association's bunch of people were now affected. Mm. So we have to, we have to, unfortunately, that's like a real, that is a, that's a snow crash. Yep. You know, software, it's, it's scary. It, it's it's terrifying. It, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a manifestation that's sort of described. That's what makes Snow Crash pretty interesting. Um, that's that's a literally sending code that can affect people. So um, I know it seems a little bit of an aside, but it does mean that we have a responsibility as journalists to, unfortunately, be on the front lines to try to um, 
uh, raise the conversation to uh, a more elevated and more um, uh, uh, civilized conversation. It's so one of the most complicated situations that that we were dealing with right now is um, Facebook employing this uh, real identity policy on its social network. So they have it mm. built right into their terms of service that you need to use the real name you use in everyday life with uh, with their service, including now Quest and you know Oculus headsets. The problem is we've seen in our comments and in our response that people are very seriously considering setting up fake Facebook accounts in order to get into uh, these headsets without letting Facebook suck down all their information and target ads to them and uh, learn more about people than maybe people know about themselves in some cases. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately the fear of some of these platforms. Um I guess I'll uh, put that. So right now I'm, I'm using Oculus avatars, their current avatar system. Right. And I have people that I would love to have come on to our show who will not allow Facebook software in their home, who just refuse to use it. And I, I both understand and I understand that perspective, but uh, obviously we're using Oculus hardware. We're using Oculus software to do this show there's a balance here where we're trying to reach people out there and give them what they, like I said, need, want to know. Um, but I, I never know where to draw the line, right? The, 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 to journalists and to people who are trying to moderate these communities and keep bad actors off. It's never clear what ethical guidelines should be followed to, you know, allow that type of discussion or not allow this type of discussion. And, um, so I was on a commission uh, this last year that was funded by the Knight Foundation and the Aspen uh, Institute on Trust, Media, and Democracy. And you're actually raising the same kind of questions we grappled with. And we had folks from Google and from Facebook uh, on this incredible, with this incredible uh, group of academics and thinkers and lawyers, et cetera. I mean, I, you know, I felt more of a observer in, in many ways, but um because uh, I, I, I'm not sure that what I was uh, yet offering was enough in the culture for people to really understand its implications. But um, uh, as we both know, this is the future. We know this is the future. We know people are going to be interacting this way. They're going to come together in spaces. Um, uh, I, I really wished on that commission that we had also invited Mozilla. Um, I think that the work that Mozilla is trying to do to offer privacy spaces, and they have some very um, you know, they picked up some of the Altspace folks uh, when that company went bankrupt. Microsoft picked up some, but Mozilla picked up others. Um, so I think these questions that you're asking are going to get played out in a bigger way. And I think that um, that you're going to have Mozilla, Microsoft, Facebook all entering this space. Um, and it may, you know, in my in my dream world. Um, that it will be a self-correcting problem because uh, if Mozilla is able to enter it in a way that offers privacy, I think Facebook is still going to want um, us to be, you know, in their platform as well, and they might have to issue some retreats on uh, on uh, demands uh, of on your information. Mm. Um, uh, they might have to be a, a different kind of player in this space. I mean, certainly Facebook's under a lot of pressure for um, its approach on on uh, on uh, um, 
you know, fake ads, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Um, yeah, Mozilla is is definitely a company that has been doing incredible things there, both to socially connect people. And um, again, it's tough where uh, their web web VR, web XR that you're, you're that the delivery system we've talked about being able to get to such a wide range of people also lags in many ways what's capable with an embedded native system. So. And it, it becomes um, the stuff that we love so much about VR, the, the true immersion, um, really high fidelity experiences don't actually reach as far as we'd like them to because of, of various pipeline problems. Um, uh, it's, it's hard for journalism to stand out on uh, Oculus's platform, like I was saying earlier, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Steam's platform. Um, we've got a... You know, it's we, we've got a project we were looking at recently that uh, is set in Hong Kong, um, and uh, it's sort of letting you see what it's like to be a protester uh, in Hong Kong, getting uh, tear gas uh, canisters launched at you. And uh, I don't think the project has been approved by for release on Steam. It's just not available on Steam, and the people. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where we have to hear from the developer, why was your app rejected? What communication did you have with the platform holder? Um, let us know what that communication is like so that we can uh, report about this accurately and understand the reasons why the platform uh, is not letting you onto their onto their platform. Um, I think Steam... Uh, once posted a blog post at one point saying that they're more or less their their um, the ethics of why they won't publish something on Steam is if it's outright trolling or bad business. I think that was more or less the way Steam explained its position, and. I guess I just don't know. Um, well, we had we've had hiccups over the years publishing on Steam. We have published on Steam. Pretty almost, I think all of our pieces are available on Steam. I think now, um, but things like um, one of the I know this is a dumb hiccup for us, but the fact that you have to cut a two D video to to show what your work is about, and I know that shouldn't be a hang up, but if it's like oh you you know I've got a volumetric piece, why do I have to put something flat on your website <laughs> to show what it is? And also, I'm an artist, so I have a really high standard. That means that I can't just put up any shitty trailer. So I've got to take the time to cut a two D trailer that looks good. Oh, I've got to go. It's a lot of work. work at the end of your project, and you just want to make the project better. You don't want and- to be promoting the project necessarily. And then we've had some really weird glitches. I wish I could, you know, uh, turn, I'm here in the, in my office. Most of my people arrive later than I do um, uh, here. And I wish I could turn to somebody and say, what was that? Why are we having so much trouble on, on, there were weird glitches that were coming up and they weren't necessarily, um, uh, they were just sort of file format type of glitches. They weren't necessarily anything political. Um, uh, but, um, Hopefully that's all that they're facing. Um, Let me ask. Let me work, work the question this way: Do you think there's uh, legal changes that can help the situation? Um, help uh, clean up online discussion, and so that uh, bad actors aren't more 
I, I think about the real name policy in particular here, where people are being encouraged to set up fake accounts on Facebook specifically to protect themselves. And I don't understand, like, so let me take a step back. I've had a discussion with one of the teams at Facebook that's developing the hyper-realistic avatars. Right. And uh, I put this question to them is, do you think future headsets will authenticate the user? And the answer I got back was... More or less, I yes, uh, it was more or less going to be li- very likely. It just they they didn't say it in those terms. They didn't give me quite uh you know a, as I've summarized it here, so quite such a clear answer. But in the future, it seems very likely that you're going to put this headset on and it's going to verify who you are. And I I don't know uh, if yeah, that's put these, necessarily put these, the right solution. Put these glasses on. You mean? I mean, I want to be a headset. Yeah. It's yeah. going to be that light. So you know. I know that at the airport, I'm the first person to be happy because I have to travel so much to use clear and um, be able to just use my eyes to track and get my boarding pass and get on my plane. Um, We know that in in China, that's a very, very common thing to do. So, um, but, you know, as long as there's been ability to track people, there's been technologies developed to evade tracking. So mm-hmm. I don't know whether it's going to be some sort of special contact lenses or da, 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 da. I, I, you know, we're going to, we're, this is going to be a tug and a pull forever. And it's a really tough question because on one hand, um, we don't want Facebook sucking up or even worse than sucking up my data. I think delivering me uh, content that's going to, uh, affect the way I think about the world and which can have a very literally a detrimental um, consequence um, that we've seen, obviously. But um, uh, there's that with um, the sense of like the ease in which getting um, uh, eye tracking, what it lets me do. So, you know, I have a pair of the Bose AR uh, glasses and um, I wouldn't fix them, you know, so that I could have my real lenses in them. And I love them. I love them. I love not searching for my headset and my pieces and making sure they're not lost or where they are or, you know, my all my glasses, where are my glasses, where's my, you know, audio. Where's my... So that convenience is definitely going to happen. And then what does that mean for, for, for tracking? So is there a different approach, I ask you, Ian? Is there something else we could do to try to create more kindness among each other so that what we're talking about is more of a social shift? Uh, we, it's, it's a wonderful question. I mean, I, we've got our platform and we try to encourage positive discussion that helps other people with that discussion. And when people are um, hurting other people, we're going to cover that too. Um, it's, you know, it's, that's what, you know, journalists cover truth. And I think the manipulation of truth and the manipulation of perception is the reason I focus on this work. Right. And, uh, you know, I, I talk about these headsets, like it's very hard not to get very meta here, but like, um, if I point my eyes to the edges of these lenses, uh, I see the fixed foveated rendering that they're using to lower the resolution. So 
in a very subtle way, these headsets are encouraging me to look directly ahead. Um, you know, when the field of view gets bigger, maybe that starts to go away a little bit over time. And uh, when they start are able to actually eye track and, and do all those things. But um, it becomes, I'm trying to let the people out there know about all of these subtle ways that their perception is being affected by the hardware itself. And uh, then there's the software questions and the things that could be slipped into software or the way software can also manipulate perception and uh, the way we think. And it's, it's a tough, it is, it's an ongoing battle where I, I hope to have you on in the future as we, as we try to, to unfold this stuff for people Unpack and so let people I saw, know. I saw this really interesting, this is a long time ago, and it was a, a uh, uh, Yale law school professor, and he was discussing the rights of your avatar. So mm. there you are, the representation of Ian that you have. What are the rights of that avatar? Um, and will that also uh, provide us with some relief from some of the tracking? Mm. Do you have Do you have a right? Can Can we, since we know what online privacy disruption looks like now, or tracking? Can we, before all of us have a virtual self, maybe so, make some legal, uh, uh, you know, whatever you get it, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So Chris is asking, um, and this is one of the questions I, I wanted to get to was, uh, is there a list that people can find or a URL you can point to of all the experiences uh, that you've worked on? What, where would you direct people to find emblematic group work? So I would go to emblematicgroup.com. And then once you're able to go to the, um, uh, uh, our website is almost fully up to date, I hope. But once you go through that, you can look through our um, our experiences, and then um, most of them are available either on Steam um, or just email us. And that's sort of dumb, right? Because we don't really have a proper VR uh, uh, journalism um, organization. I tried to raise money for that for years. Um, uh, and I've just kept going and kept making pieces, working on a super interesting piece about Lyme disease right now. Um, and uh, so we're not really at a point where I can say, and here's our journalism organization, and here's where everything is. Um, we've had to go ahead and, and put stuff up, more um, up on Steam than on Oculus, because at, at most of our early pieces are sixed off. In fact, the vast majority of my work is sixed off. So um, an Oculus share wasn't as friendly to seek stuff initially. We've we've dropped the the, the link for emblematicgroup.com into the chat so that there you can find a lot of Nani's work. Um, and if you and if you want to play with uh, reach.love, it is very, I would say beta, you know, alpha plus beta minus, but you can sign up and start playing at beta.reach.love. You can clone an environment from the beginning or with Sketchfab, just make sure you download it as a GLTF. Use a uh, and just uh, upload into Reach uh, the zip file. Don't unzip it and have some fun. We've also got a link to that in our uh, chat. What, what do you have coming up in the next year? What does the next year look like for you? So I mentioned um, earlier we're wrapping up a piece, a really, really powerful piece about a teenage boy who was taken from his home in San Gabriel, California and brought to a Japanese-American concentration camp in Wyoming at Heart Mountain in the 1940s. And he did this incredible diary full of the most beautiful humanistic thinking, and he was an artist. So we're using his diary where we've taken his drawings and um, 
Uh, I've had I've had an incredible artist working in my office, uh, Haley Tomasic, whose grandfather was in one of the camps, and she's animated all of his drawings into these quill pieces. So we're just completing that. It'll for sure launch uh, at uh, the Japanese American National Museum at the end of April, and we're hoping uh, for a release uh, at one of the festivals. Um, and I'm working on a really interesting project about uh, Lyme disease. And oh, man, I'm, I, you know, I don't want to get into this, but if you're interested in in science stuff and check out biofilms, biofilms are really crazy interesting. And I'm uh, I, we've been modeling spirochetes and and looking at um, a, a, a recent autopsy that might have offers us a really major clue about why some people get chronic Lyme disease. Um, and I'm taking that uh, person whose autopsy it is, and we found her original story, and it's really powerful. So I'm going to mm-hmm. be telling the story of this woman who's, who died, but who actually may uh, be able to offer the clue for, for any other Lyme sufferers. <laughs> and the final thing that I'm raising money for now um, uh, is kind of incredible. I introduced the filmmaker, Alejandro Gonzalez Inaritu, you know, um, I think people say Inaritu, uh, uh, to VR and um, worked with him on his piece, Carne Arena. But now he's agreed to work with me on a piece I want to do on a remake of a 1928 black and white film that established the art of the close up. It was called The Passion of Joan of Arc. And the script is out of copyright. And I'm, um, I've raised already a little bit of money and now I'm raising some more money on remaking that film in virtual reality. Wow, that sounds fascinating. I can't wait to see these. Um, thank you so much for joining me. And I. this has been a pleasure. Uh, thank you everyone for tuning in. Thank you so much everybody. And I really appreciate you guys being interested in, and taking the time to listen to, to these very complex issues and some really very, last note I just wanna say is that like Ian, I am so bullish on this medium. Um, I think it is definitely, it's as, I can see it as a future as much as I can see my virtual hand in front of me. <laughs> and um, uh, I'm really excited that, that you guys uh, continue to, to, to be one of the best um, uh, spaces to learn about all the new stuff going on. Thank you. It means a lot. And we're going to do our best to make sure that these conversations aren't oversimplified and they're not, you know, they're easily accessible by a wide range of people. It's it's not easy, and we're going to keep at it. So thank you so much for joining us, and thanks for tuning into the VR download. Uh, check out UploadVR.com, and we'll be back next week. Right.